You may be seated this morning. It's great to be in church together on the first Sunday of 2020. What an exciting time to be alive. And I really believe that the best days are ahead for City Church, but that means for your life as well. Really believing that over this year that you would see God's best in your life and see His influence in a way that really transforms your future and your world. And so this morning we're going to start a series where we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, but I just wanted to acknowledge it's my beautiful wife's birthday today. And uh, she's an amazing lady. I think she may be changing a nappy right now. And uh, it is also our 12-year wedding anniversary. So we got married on Amy's birthday in the Hunter Valley, at the Hunter Valley Gardens Chapel. And uh, we, got, we got married there on her birthday. It just worked for us to be able to do it that time. So I'm either a genius or a fool <laughs> for combining those two together. And so I've got to go big every year. I mean, I'm just getting past Christmas and I'm already getting ready because I've got a birthday and an anniversary to go as well. But uh, I just love my wife. And you know what? Marriage goes through the highs and lows. But you know what? It's all about just keeping our eyes on Jesus, loving each other, and just going along on the journey. I think many of us know that journey, uh, which is an incredible journey. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to acknowledge that today and uh, say to my wife, she's an amazing lady, isn't she? What a blessing she is to our church. Come on, give her a hand one more time. Well, as we mentioned, and as Mark so beautifully articulated in our communion message this morning, and, and, and what we're talking about through the month of January is principles that help you prosper. And we're not just talking about prosper when it comes to finances, but we're talking about prosper in your heart, prosper in your spirit where there's peace, there's hope, there's something that you can hold on to, there's joy on the inside, a kind of prosperity that helps you live the life that God's calling you to live. Because who knows this, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have all of God's favor, all of God's blessing on us. But there are principles and things that we can do, decisions that we can make that aren't God's responsibility, that are our responsibility to position ourselves so that we can prosper in life. Things like sowing and reaping. When it comes to sowing and, and, and sowing our lives into commitments and sowing our lives into the house of God, sowing our life into prayer or the Word, sowing in those ways, we are going to reap back. They're not things that God uh, does on our behalf. They're things that we make the choice to do. So we have all of God's blessing, all of God's favor, but we have to make decisions to apply these principles to our life. And so that's something that we, doesn't just happen automatically. It's a manual setting. It's something that we must choose to do. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of those things, some things like sowing and reaping, some things like being planted in the house of God. That's a decision that we make. And today we're going to talk about attitude. Attitude is a choice that we make. It's not about the circumstances that happen to us, but it's the choices that we make that set us up. And so I, I dare say this morning that you can choose today the attitude that you're going to have in 2020. You can make the decision that whatever comes your way, good, bad, ugly, in between, whatever would happen this year, you can make the choice to have the right attitude. You actually have the control and the choice in your heart to choose to have the right attitude. The Bible says, Beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in health in all things, just as your soul prospers. It is God's will for your life that you would prosper. And one of the great ways that you can prosper in life is by guarding your heart and having the right attitude. 
And so this morning, we want to interview some incredible people in our church, and then I'm going to speak for a few moments after that about the topic of attitude. And Ken and Megan Watson are incredible heroes in, in the life of City Church, and they've been part of this church for many, many years. And I want to invite them right now to come and join me down the front as we talk a little bit about attitude and some of the story that they've been through. I want to give them a huge hand as they come right now. Fantastic. So firstly, Ken and Megan, you have been involved in this church for many years. How many years have you been part of City Church? 1985. Wow. 35 years. Just to give you an idea, I was born in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Ben. <laughs> I appreciate that. Younger than we are. <laughs> that is amazing. And uh, you're both... Um, been huge contributors in this church for a number of years. Uh, Megan is a trained counsellor, Ken is teacher, and you've both been involved in 180TC, which is an incredible drug and alcohol rehabilitation program. Both have worked there uh, on and off for a number of different years. Oftentimes you wouldn't have seen perhaps Ken or Megan on a Sunday because they're often taking people to church that are part of the program. And so um, even though uh, they may not be here, they've very much been a part of this church for a very long time and uh, very much a part of the, the fabric of this church in, in, in regards to community and, and friendships and people that they are closely connected with. And so we've been so blessed to get to know Ken and Megan over the years that we've been part of the church here as well. And so I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about your journey, your story over these last few months. Obviously, it has been... A, a huge season in your life. Uh, there is no doubt about it. We've been praying for, for Ken and we've been praying for Megan for a number of months now. And I'll let them tell the story about what happened. But uh, we wanted to kind of dive into that today and, and tell a little bit about their story and how they've been able to keep their eyes on Jesus and have the right attitudes throughout that time. And I'm sure there's been times where the right attitude hasn't been there, like all of us when we go through crisis two days ago. <laughs> Mine was just 30 seconds ago, so that's pretty good. Um, None of us are perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. But I, I love this story because I love the way that they have just had incredible faith in God. And so let's go back a few months ago. Ken and Megan are on their way to what you could probably describe as a dream holiday over to, to Vancouver, Canada. And tell us a little bit about what happened on that journey and what happened in the months, weeks, days, weeks and months that followed from that. We'd seen our family, Caleb and Jess and the kids in Hamilton, New Zealand for four days and then we were off for another four weeks or so, four and a half weeks to get with another son, Daniel, who's right up in the wilderness in Canada and we're all set to go hiking and camping and just a wonderful time. I was in the aeroplane probably six hours in the journey from Auckland to Vancouver, Meigs and myself and I just went up the back of the plane and I just felt very like lightheaded all of a sudden, I think it was low blood pressure and I just blacked out while I was standing and I just smashed down, smashed my head, I think on a low shelf and uh, broke my nose and a lot of teeth but the worst thing was that I, I sustained a, a spinal cord injury, so the inner core of the spinal cord um, and had subsequently get C5, C6 fused. Yeah, so it, um, it changed everything. 
it was uh, it was huge. Um, what was it? Was that the answer to your question, Ben? Yeah, I just wanted to hear the story of what happened from yeah. there. So from there, you got directed to I understand Honolulu. Yeah, where you went to hospital there. Yeah, um, and and tell us a bit about the, the journey there. What happened and yeah. coming back to Australia? Yeah, well, it was. Um, yeah, I'll hand it over to Megan and then I'll say a couple of things. Uh, yeah. Emergency ambulance? <laughs> um, yeah, diverted to Honolulu. Things you do to get to Waikiki Beach. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and then Ken was deposited in the hospital there and for three weeks while, um, while I party. Not, not quite, not quite. Um, yeah, so, so we were thankful because there's lots of islands between Auckland and Vancouver such as Tonga and Cook Islands that wouldn't have had the facilities to care for Ken as well as they did. So, yes, he had a opera major operation, couldn't move a thing, um, except I think his right foot. And um, the future was unclear because he, had in, he has incomplete quadriplegia. Um, incomplete meaning he didn't sever the spinal cord, quadriplegia meaning all four limbs are affected. And, and um, so started a journey. Yeah. Yeah. So the impact for me then was just a, a, a complete loss of my independence. It was incredible. I was just parallel so I could feel, feeling them, just one of my toes and my right foot, but to be stripped right back where I had no control over anybody, bodily functions, I was not medically stable. My internal organs were affected because of the lack of like nerve supply to lungs, like the breathing and just all of the organs, as well as the limbs, there was just so many things that uh, that I had to get stabilised with, and uh, yeah. So to me, the big impact was not so much the loss of the holiday that was there; it was just a fight for survival, really. That that was the uh, the impact that it had on me, and it was just wondering in what the future held. You know, to be completely, uh, I couldn't feed myself, obviously couldn't toilet myself in any way, uh, couldn't, I couldn't get up. It was just, uh, yeah, so it was really a, a dark time and a lot of time to, to think and, and to pray. Yeah. I remember, I think, Megan, you relayed to me one day, we were talking about it not long after it all happened, and so when you were back in Sydney and you were in, in hospital, and obviously it was a pretty dark time, confusion, not sure what the future would hold, not sure whether you would be able to walk again, not sure what, what, what kind of level of health you would return to. And I remember you, Megan, saying to me, Ken's just made the decision that he can't control the circumstances of what's happened. He can't control the outcomes of it. He can't control how quickly his body recovers. But he's just made the decision that he can control, that he can use this time to grow closer to God. And I just remember thinking about that in that moment and thinking, that is an incredible attitude. Um, I am a pastor and I don't even know whether I can have that attitude in that circumstance being so much confusion, so much doubt and fear that is surrounding you, so much uncertainty about the future to make the decision, you know what, I cannot control my circumstances right now, but what I can do is I can choose to abide in God, I can choose to grow closer to Him and to use this time to grow closer to God. How did having that attitude for both of you help you to be able to process and get through uh, what was a horrific time? Well, I would like to say, um, like, um, it was only within a few days of Ken's accident that he decided that that he um, 
this is what he's told me, he was lying there and thought, I can't control anything except my attitude. I couldn't move my hands like Morgan's moving her hands now. I can't, couldn't control anything. Um, he's, and he decided that he'd be a blessing to people. And so Ken's always been an encourager and in that hospital they had um, volunteers who would come around, kids from uni or school, and um, they'd pop in to sort of, do you want to drink a water or a magazine or whatever, and Ken would say, come around so I can see your face. Um, what's your name? What are you doing? And he'd chat to them and find out about them to the point he'd had visitors all the time. Because they'd chill up, oh, we'll be back, we'll be back. And I remember one boy coming back with little Japanese cranes um, that he'd made for Ken, a few of them, and stuck them all around his bed and whatever. And people loved coming to see him because he would be interested in their lives and have a chat to them. Yeah, profound. Yeah, it was was huge, the encouragement that came to me from my church here. Um, from friends and, and family and other Christians that I knew. I'd been in, an encourager since I became a Christian in 1975 and uh, it's a great gift to encourage other people but I did not understand how, how important it is because when I, when I was lying there, it literally the encouragement just lifted me up and, uh, and helped me to survive. I'd, I'd get letters or texts or a phone call or me would pass on and they were like um, like little treasures and I'd, I'd hide them in my heart. That's amazing. Yeah. It was incredible actually to come and visit Ken and to see him kind of wheeling around. He'd love to show us how fast you could go in your wheelchair, in your motorised wheelchair as well. We're like, slow down, Ken, slow down. And uh, so he'd race us around uh, the ward of the hospital. And But just as he, we went around, it was just always, whoever was in front of him was like, hello, and, and Ken would know their names, he'd know their story, know what's going on, he'd talk to them, interact with them, every nurse, every person. It was obvious to me that actually Ken was making a huge impact. Uh, and, and, and yourself, Megan, on a whole bunch of people that were in that hospital. Not a situation that you chose to be in, not a situation you thought you'd be in, not a place you thought you'd be in, but you used that time to be able to say, you know what, I can't control anything else, but I can control my attitude and how I respond to this. I think what a powerful story. So tell us a little bit about, for both of you, some of the low moments that were, that were through this journey and, and how did you get through some of those really tough low moments? My first low moment was when I found out we didn't have any income insurance. <laughs> so, oh, well, at least we've got income insurance. And no, we haven't. <laughs> I'd cancel that and go, I think I'm going for a walk right now. <laughs> and then I head and I'd go, God, you know, like that. Walked around Honolulu <laughs> and up to the 10th floor and then just um, calibrated with God. Yeah. Say, okay, God, you've had our back before. You're not going to let us down now. There's no reason to believe that you're not going to look after us like you have every other time. And I think that's been my staying point, is that God has looked after us before. The situation's different, but it's not, no different with God as far as his love and care for us. And just holding on to the truth of that. Um, and also what his word says. Um, yeah, so that's probably the low moment was one of the low moments. And then other times we had to really fight, and we still are, the insurance, the travel insurance, to get Ken home. Um, but even in the midst of that, um, 
yeah, God provided, like my mum paid for my sister to come and support me and I've got five sisters and she was the best one. She loves Jesus and, and um, <laughs> the best one for that purpose. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, she sees that. I love all the rest of you. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, she came and you know, we'd pray together and she'd come in and um, Ken didn't get away with any self-pity. Um, no. And... Um, yeah, and so we'd be able to pray together and just remind ourselves of what God, you know, that God is good. He is good. Yeah. Yes, so for me, like some of the, the, the low moments, there was certainly a lot of, a lot of them. Um, yeah, as Ben had said, that with my, I made a choice, it was after about two days, that, well, I accepted that I had quadriplegia. I mean, whether I accepted it or not, it, I, I had it, but it's important for me and for you to accept really what are the facts in, in our lives. And uh, the truth is that, that Jesus died on the cross for me and that by his stripes I'm healed. Yeah, that's the truth, but we've got to live in the realm of, of the facts and, and to let God work in our lives. So I made a decision to, to have a good attitude I could... Uh, control that, there's anything I could control and I, I listened to uh, Spotify, had it going a lot through the night and I had like the Hillsong Radio one and I just, there would be just songs that would come on and and I'd remember scriptures and I would just feast on those scriptures and say them out loud and because I couldn't read, I couldn't turn a page like I, yeah, I couldn't do anything but I could I could listen to that. I got a nurse to put that on, and and that that sustained me, and it it built hope. I thought, well, yeah, I've got Christ in my life, and I held on onto Him. There, I use a CPAP machine, and so I'd be laying in this bed, couldn't move. The machine had to be put on my face. I couldn't take it off. Anyone that uses CPAP, you know, at times you want to get that off, and so I felt completely. Um, like like smothered and then one night it was particularly hard emotionally to handle everything that was going on I was praying and this, a male nurse came in and for some reason I had an attack from, from the enemy the devil said that um, you know this nurse could just put a pillow on you and just smother you and you know that's the end of you and I, I started to get like really full of fear that 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 could happen. It wasn't warranted fear, but you hear in nursing homes and different things where, where things do happen. And and I mean, I'm breathing here and quite healthy, really. Um, but at, at the time, it was a to me, it was a real attack from the enemy and a and a real uh, a real fear that just gripped me. And then, you know, I thought, well, how do I how do I stand? What what do I do in that? And I thought, well. The truth is that God loves me, that God loves me. And, and I meditated on that. I just started to remember different scriptures, that my sins are forgiven, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and that God loves me. And it didn't, you know, if I die, fine, I'm going to heaven. I'm, lots of days I say to that to make it. <laughs> heaven sounds good to me. You know? and, um, and so at that point... The fear, as we know, the fear just went. You know, devil, do you, do you, do your worst. Go ahead. God, God loves me. He's got my life in His hands, and so 
from that point, I really haven't had that any of that type of fear, fear at all. So that was a, a real low point. There's been like hundreds of low points, so, but all along, yeah, God has sustained me. Praise God. I think a big thing for us is being gratefulness. Yeah. Um, as a family, we have thankful times most meals, not yeah. where we talk about something we're grateful for. And yeah. I could see how that rose to the surface quickly yeah. at that time. You know, initially, well, initially and now, you know, like when we're feeling a bit flat or um, mm. overwhelmed, you say, well, what are we grateful for? You know, we're grateful we live in a country where Ken can go to hospital and be well cared for and he's on NDIS and, you know, we're just so blessed. I mean, Margaret mentioned, you know, being in a lucky country, we are so blessed here. And, and so to pull out those gratefulness um, things, to see all the beautiful things, you know, that Ken can get equipment like this, we can get a house fixed up for his needs, and um, that we're alive. Yeah, and so um, I think that's held us in good stead, hasn't it? Yeah, sure yeah. is. That's great. That's powerful. Um, you know, just hearing that, and, and, and even just seeing the progress that you had throughout it, I know that it, it kind of confounded the doctors to be able to see the progress that Ken was having throughout that, that whole journey, and there was so much uncertainty sur surrounding it all. Tell us a little bit about what were some of the Christian commitments that were just deep down inside of you that maybe held you through that time, that helped you to be able to keep your focus on Jesus, to be able to stay positive? Um, you've mentioned some of them there about gratefulness and and obviously just meditating on the Word of God as well, but maybe in particular for you, Megan, because this has obviously had an effect on both of your lives in a dramatic way. But what's some of the things that really held you strong through that time? Um, there's a song, Margaret, um, that, that song Margaret brought up, you know, um, Raise a Hallelujah. If you don't know it, <laughs> get it into your heart. Sing it until you know it and know it, because... What I've realised is that in good times, get God's word into your heart, get those good songs into your heart, get, you know, like songs especially that are based on the Bible, and get them into your heart from here, keep on singing them, keep on meditating on until they get to here, so that under pressure, hopefully, they'll pop out. And so um, that song, Raise a Hallelujah, and I'd been singing that over one of our boys before we left who'd been really, un really, really unwell. And, um, you know, raise a hand. I'm going to sing in the middle of this storm. Louder and louder you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes hope will arise. Amen. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Amen. And so on our bicky bikes riding through Honolulu, that's what I was singing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sing. And anyway, I can't sing, but you know, God didn't mind. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, and, um, and just lifts your faith, you know, like, lifts, okay, yeah. got hope here. God's on our side. Everything's going to be all right. And another one, I've, I've probably mentioned this before, but Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, Amen. a constant help in times of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried in the midst Amen. of the sea, God is in the midst of her. It's Jerusalem but me. He Amen. will help her at the, and at the right time. And I know when um, times that's been the refuge and the strength bit, this time was particularly the constant help in times of trouble. Constant God, you're going to be constant and you're going to come good when we need it. And, um, yeah, I think that if you can have a Christian mantra, that was my little mantra. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I just encourage you, like, um, get that stuck in your heart when it doesn't seem to matter and then when you need it, 
It's something, you don't, we'll draw it down from heaven, from Jesus too, but draw it out of your heart as well. Uh, and I would say, like, without being any hero, um, even yesterday I had to call on that again. It's God, you're my strength today. <laughs> you know, when you feel like being cranky or um, whatever, that you're my strength, you're my refuge and my help today. Yeah, yeah, truly, it is. Truly, it has been an anchor, hasn't it, God's word? Yeah, it sure has. Yeah, ditto to all that Megan said. That's... Uh, she summed it up a couple of times. I What I missed most actually was ha- having communion for that uh, six months. It was just wonderful this morning with Margaret and to just focus on what Jesus has done. I know that uh, a friend of mine, Pastor Andy Mann, he, he brought communion one, one day for us and uh, we shared that, that together and I think Sam tomorrow came. Um, yeah, and had, um, we had communion and... Just so that those commitments, I know early on in my, my Christian walk that to just to have that point of faith when, when we take the emblem for the body of Jesus, that his body was, was broken for us that we could make whole. So when I have communion, I thank God for complete wholeness, for complete healing. For in his time, I'm believing every day for, um, for progress, and that um, when we have the emblem of the juice for the blood of Christ that, that our sins are forgiven. Really, to get that deep into our heart and our mind that we, our sins, past, present and future, our sins are forgiven and then to receive the righteousness of God as a gift, to receive that into our lives and to dwell on that, then it lifts us up. And so I'm, I really am constantly coming to that bedrock. I'll strip right back. And the only thing that I really could stand on was that Jesus is my rock. And, to, and then to praise him, as Megan is saying, with, with praise I would just start to pray in tongues or start to just to praise Jesus and, and look to him. Sometimes people think it might be a bit mad, but that's all right. They can think that. But, um, yeah, to put on that garment of, of praise and to... Yeah, so it's certainly one of the things, Ben, that it's... One of those commitments is to yeah. praise and to, to honour Christ in our communion as a point of faith. I mean, communion, we can draw on what Jesus did on the cross every day. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be have communion. But I love that point of physically where we remember Christ and, and partake. And so because I missed it so much, it's uh, so important to me. That's amazing. That's incredible. And, and just finally, lastly, how, how did you see God's hand working in the midst of your situation um, throughout. It's been, it's been a long journey. It's been many months. Yeah. There's been many different things and layers of, uh, of disappointments and then seeing God's hand in, in miraculous kind of ways. What's, what's some of the ways that you saw God's hand in the midst of this, this season and this time? Do you want to go first, Mike? Yeah, you um, I think we've never felt so loved. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, lots of people who've loved us since we've been back come to People visit. would bring me comics to read, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Food, and you guys, some of you here, have participated in that by giving, give, donating food and um, GoFundMe, people gave on that, and Amy set it up. And um, Am I on track with this question? Um, yeah, and just... Um, people encouraging Ken and then asking how I'm going and someone said, how can I help you? I said, just invite me around and be normal. Um, um, 
yeah. I think, I think that's all I can think of at the moment. Okay, that's good. Look, there's been hundreds of different things that I can see God's hand doing. One interesting area was because I saw how important encouragement was that it just lifted me. Um, God has graced me with, with a gift of uh, encouragement. I don't know if it's in the Bible, but God has given it to me. And uh, there's a prophetic edge to it. I found that, that there were different people that uh, at different times that God would let me see right into their hearts, into their future decisions, things that were happening. And I'd just not be spooky or anything. I'd just say, look, I'm just feeling that I'd like to share something with you that God's put in my heart. And um, I'd share and they'd just, some would just break down in tears that such a reassurance to them. Others I've been like sharing with different pastors of what God's doing for them and, and it's just been been a word in season. So um, and just some of the nurses that that attend me and other patients that I'm with and um, yeah so that's quite a strong gift that God's put in me and to bless others and so I thank God for that. And we've made some lovely friends, like yeah. other people who are in wheelchairs. And when you're at Royal Rehab, you kind of think everybody's in a wheelchair, every second person. And then you come to Blackstone and they do. But, um, no, we made some lovely friends who I think, you know, we'll just keep on loving them and see what God has yeah. in that as well. So um, I remember hearing this story uh, about some of the NDIS funding. And um, maybe you could tell a little bit about that story about how the... Do you want my MP version, comes, which is yeah. five minutes or ten? That's fifteen. Ken's that's fifteen. Oh, you mind in thirty? You're giving me thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. 30 seconds, 30 seconds Wayne. You're on the clock. There's <laughs> <laughs> the clock. Ken, Ken gets this. He's got this really good devotion book. If you want a really good devotion book, ask him which one it is because it's really held him steady, hasn't it? Yeah, that's been fabulous. Yeah, and one yes. morning it was like. God likes to surprise us, like, you know, the coin in the fish's mouth. And so pray, you know, God surprises you. So Ken prays and then the next day he's on the phone to NDIS. I want to talk to the manager. Oh, it hasn't happened. Like this. And they go, okay. And then we go into a lift and the lift, we, after 20 minutes on the phone, it's cut off, right? So anyway, the next day he's in the gym. So this is my version. He's in the gym doing, walk, trying to walk along, you know, the walking bars, parallel bars, and in comes these 15 people, cameras and media and show, um, suits and, and um, all la-di-da. Anyhow, the bloke comes in and Ken, Ken goes, g'day, how you going? And he says, good, good. And it turns out it's the Minister for Health and Disabilities or whatever, what, <laughs> like the federal minister. And so Ken's joking around with him and he says, you know, oh, can you do... Can you do Anything like peril and whatever his push-ups. And he says, yeah, yeah, strips off and shirt, his jacket, and starts doing them. And just he says, his oh, jacket he stripped off. Jacket. And, <laughs> and he says to Ken, so what can you do, mate? And Ken goes, oh, listen, yeah, it's four months ago I couldn't even walk. And here I can show you how I can walk. So he's walking up and down and he says, oh, impressive, tell us your story. So Ken starts to tell a cock and bull story about jumping out of a aeroplane over Waikiki. <laughs> oh. I was going kite surfing. Yeah, kite surfing and that he didn't listen to his wife. That was the true part of the story. And put on the wrong backpack and out comes his lunchbox and cardigan. Anyhow, the bloke, he was a paratrooper, so he knew it wasn't true, even though the media lady thought it was. Anyway, so, yeah. so they're joking away. And then, and then Ken, the fellow, looks and he says, so how's your NDIS going? Because he just announced that he's got all his billion, a billion dollars that hadn't been spent. And Ken goes, 
shocking, mate, shocking, really disappointed, blah, blah, blah. And, and so he says um, to his cohort, you know, come over here and, you know, find his number and sign him. So we'll sign him off today. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, funny. So later on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Because it's been weeks and he wanted to get home yeah. for Christmas when our son was coming back from Canada. Yeah. And so Ken goes back and he goes, it was, he said, it felt like God said, you were going for the manager and I gave you a surprise and went for the yeah. top man. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we consider that a bit of a miracle. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was huge. <laughs> That's amazing. Ken and Megan, we love you guys so much. And, um, you know, we just want to take a moment now and just pray for you. And uh, we just thank God for you, for your attitude, for the blessing that you've been to us through what's been a traumatic time for you. You've showed people how to process something tragic and, and difficult so well. And I know at times you may not have felt like that, but from the outside looking in, I think you've done a fantastic job yeah. at processing it. Still got a long way to go. Next 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> you've done well. So why don't you reach out your hands towards these incredible people. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for Ken and Megan. We thank you for their heart, Lord God, to serve you, their heart for, for helping others and heart for being an encouragement to others, Lord Jesus. And I just pray right now for your blessing, your favor, your protection on their lives, Lord God. I pray that they would see your hand of blessing time and time again. Lord, I pray for opportunity for Ken and for Megan to be an encouragement towards other people, that you would just speak through them, be guided through their words and all that they do, Lord God. And I just pray for continual progress in Ken's life, Lord God, in his physical body, that he would see continued progress in the name of Jesus. We thank you for him. We pray for all the details that need to be sorted out, insurance, etc. Lord Jesus, that you would sort that through miraculously, supernaturally, Lord God, fast that that would happen. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Come on, give these beautiful people a hand. One more time. So good. You may, you may be seated. I was going to stay seated myself, but... Um, I just wanted to just wrap up by just saying just three things. Your attitude in, in 2020 is a choice. Your attitude is a challenge. And your attitude is a commitment. Firstly, your attitude is a choice, just like what we've heard about with Ken and Megan. They didn't choose the set of circumstances that happened. They, they would never have choosed for that to happen to them as they're on their way to going on an incredible holiday. Something completely different happened. But they couldn't control the circumstances, but they could control the choice that they made. They made the choice to have the right attitude. And I want to encourage you in 2020 to make the choice to have the right attitude. And it's not just a one and done kind of event. All of us know that we have got to constantly make that decision to have the right attitude. And it's often overcoming times where things haven't been right. You know, it says in the Bible so clearly, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. And so we all have a responsibility in 2020 to guard our heart, to protect it, to make sure our attitude, our mind is focused on the right things, to make those choices because where your head goes, 
is where your body follows. Where your mind goes is where your life follows. If you make the choice to have a right attitude, you'll start to live a right attitude life. It'll start to flow out of that place the way that Ken has already spoke about and Megan this morning, that they're an encouragement to others. That's because they've won the battle of having the right attitude in here, in here. And that's the ability to be able to flow out of that place, to be able to have the right attitude. You know, having the wrong attitude is a bit like having a rock in your shoe. It's uncomfortable. It's only small. It's only a little bit. Over time, it will do you damage. It will cause infection. It will start to be uncomfortable to be able to walk and live that way. It's going to cause you damage if you don't make that right decision. Secondly, having the right attitude is a challenge. It's a challenge for you and I. Because it's not easy to do. If it was easy to do, we would encounter everyone that are the most happy, joyful people in the world. But I don't know whether you've looked recently, but when you go to work or when you go outside or even get in traffic, there are some angry, frustrated people in the world. You and I at times, dare I say, are one of them. But we need to make that constant choice. It's a challenge to be able to have that, the right attitude. And you know what? It's just not, not just a challenge for you. It's a challenge for others because when you step into the room and you do have the right attitude, it actually lifts the bar for everybody else. When you walk into a negative room and you bring a positive attitude and a positive confession, you bring encouragement and you start to build other people, it actually rises up and it challenges other people to be able to live in a different way. And finally, having the right attitude is a commitment. It's just like joining the gym on January 1. It's not just the one choice, but it's the constant commitment. You are going to have a bad attitude at times. You are going to get it wrong. You are going to speak to your kids maybe in the wrong way at times. You are maybe going to speak to your, to your partner in the wrong way at times or a work colleague or a friend. You are going to mess up and you are going to fail. We are not going to move out of this room and we're going to all constantly have a great attitude and constantly be happy in every situation. That is just reality. We will fail. We are flawed humans. We are saved by the grace of God. But it's just continuing to make that decision. Hey, I've got another chance to be better tomorrow i got another chance to be better now. i got another chance to forgive. i got another chance to let that go. And we can just make that decision right where we are right now. So you know what? I'm going to have a com- make that commitment to have the right attitude. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And Lord Jesus, I pray as we start 2020, I pray that we would guard our heart our attitude and our thoughts, that we would apply this principle of having the right attitude because it's going to help us prosper, Lord God. It's going to help us to be able to to go through the ups and downs, the highs and lows of 2020, to be able to hold ourselves in a way where we can just constantly focus on you, constantly have the kind of attitude that is being able to uplift others and to be a person that is actually bringing positive influence into our world. And I pray for the strength and the commitment. I pray for people to make that choice. I pray for people to accept that challenge, Lord God, this morning, to have the right attitude in 2020. We ask it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said,